When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to our third and final Wisdom Cricket Weekly Decade Interview Podcast. Today we're picking Wisdom's test team of the decade. I'm Yazrana and it's a bit of a Wisdom loving on our panel today. We've got the magazine editor of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, Joe Harmon, the editor of the Wisdom Almanac, Lawrence Booth, the editor-at-large of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, John Stern, and the editor-in-chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker. A lot of editors yeah. in there. Um, <laughs> More than <strictly> <laughs> We'll try and keep things civilised. This is how today's show is going to work. We're going to split the selection into three chunks. Openers, numbers three to seven, and the bowlers. There needs to be a wicketkeeper in the top seven and at least one spinner in the lineup. If someone misses out on selection in their primary category, they may, if it's reasonable, be in the discussion for another category. So out, so if an all-rounder misses out between numbers three and seven, they can, in theory, be selected at number eight. Um, we'll pick through consensus as much as possible. We ideally don't want it to go down to a vote every time and we must have a captain. Are we all ready to go? Let's go. Cool. Let's crack on. Um, Lawrence, you want to start? Who do your first choice as opener be? My first choice, well, I have two openers, controversially. Um, <laughs> can I name them both? Well, Cook and Warner, which isn't very controversial, is it? Because they are the comfortably the leading run scorers among openers in the last decade. Uh, and they're both left-handers, but they're both different kinds of left-handers. Cook's about twice the height of Warner, so it'll encourage the and bowlers the to bowl different. And, well, no comment. It'll encourage the bowlers to bowl different lengths, I think, and they score at different different places and at different rates. So I think they're the two obvious candidates. Yeah, for me, that this was the easiest job of the of picking this eleven. They do stand out by distance. The only other one that came into consideration for me was Graham Smith, who you'd say is more of a player of the last decade, but still his record. Averaging 45, 900s in this decade alone. Obviously took South Africa to number one in, in this decade as well as, as captain. Um, so he was my kind of my, my third choice, but was a bit of a way off Cook and Warner. It was one of those where if the decade had just shifted a little bit and included that two-year period of 08 to yeah. 2010 for Smith, then he'd have been very, very close, if not a shoe-in, really. It's, it's a quirk of this type of selection isn't it you're defining obviously by time frame and and there are certain players and Smith will be one where they straddle the decade and yeah I didn't I don't think of Graham Smith as doing his best work in this past decade but yeah you could certainly make a case I mean you know Cook yeah Cook 1200s away from home was is just uh, exceptional one of his exceptional numbers yeah I think when I was researching uh, the numbers of this decade, I kind of didn't realise how long a decade was. There were loads of players who I associated with the, the 2000s um, who did really well that this comes decade. comes when you're about 24 years old, <laughs> I think. And Graham Smith did still play 38 test matches. Um, For this, 900s. This, yeah, this, this decade. But also, on David Warner, his numbers around the world vary quite quite massively. So how, are we, how do we feel about picking somebody who we know isn't as good 
uh, in certain parts of the world. Um, well, it's obviously a case that he's terrifyingly effective in Australia, um, that he's never quite cracked it in England. Um, and his record in the subcontinent is is not especially great either. Well, I mean, so in 21 test matches in England and India, he averages um, less than 25. That's that's a significant sample size. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is that further question as well of, of, are we looking for longevity or are we respecting and maybe prioritising players who have who have dominated for a shortish period of time. We can come to others later on. Mitchell Johnson's one that springs to mind. I think Warner's numbers overall, and I think the number of games that he has affected and the number of games that he has set up and clinched for Australia, gets him over the line. I think he's got it here, 49 runs shy of 7,000 runs, opening the batting across the decade, averaging a tick under 50 for an opening bat even if he is arguably a little bit skewed towards those flat, beautiful Australian tracks, I think that makes the cut just about. For me, an element here as well, and this might come up a few times as we go through the team, um, for me, there is an element of character and personality and, and what you stand for across the decade. I, I did bear that in mind as I was as I was doing this. And you still picked him. <laughs> well, what have you think of him? He's inescapably a player of the decade. He's been talked about. Yeah almost as much as any other cricketer bar Coley, Dhoni and perhaps a couple of others. Uh, and in that sense, that wasn't the back of my mind when I was when I was considering players in this. He's also, he's got this strike rate of 74 nearly, which is, is pretty incredible. I mean, look at the, the top run scores among openers for the decade. Sawag is 87. Um, it was kind of in a league of his own, but then Warner is next. Uh, and there's a big gap then um, to, to pretty well everyone else. Okay, Darwin, but not... not played as many games so he sort of he hasn't quite reinvented test opening but he's been at the forefront of making the transition from t20 to test cricket and showing that a, a white ball bully can be a a red ball star as well and the same number of hundreds as cook from 29 fewer test matches as well in that in that period so that is persuasive um it seems very early in the discussion to bring this up but we do need a captain graham smith has is, is, is an obvious candidate for captain does that influence it at all? And when when we we tasked ourselves with this, he was the first name that came into my head, Graham Smith. The first name because the outstanding captain of the century, I would say. Uh, but as we said, he did do the majority of his great work in the previous decade. Um, admittedly, he took South Africa to number one in 2012, uh, but that was in a way his crowning glory, and it was the work of a, say a good few years, really. Uh, he'd already been in charge for seven years before that, before even the turn of the decade, rather. So he came in charge in 2003. I think for the purposes of what we're having to do here, I think we have to just eliminate Smith because he did 75, 80% of his great work in the previous decade. And there are other, you know, candidates to be captain. So he's not, you we'll know, need him in the team. Yeah. I mean, Cookie, for goodness sake. I mean, you know. Also, I think this team's going to be okay with whoever captains it as well, isn't it? Oh, I think it'd be, it'd be chaos, but you know, that's why Cookie, you know, just, just rise above it. I don't know. One other little quirk, I don't know if you guys came across this when you were looking at the numbers. Did you see that the opener with the highest average over the over this decade was uh, Chris Gale, who averages 50 in this decade. Obviously, he only played 18 test matches, so he's nowhere near serious consideration, but it is. Yeah, I did think that was quite interesting. interesting. He had a brilliant 190, didn't he, in Australia, opening the batting, probably at the, at the turn of the decade. But then lost interest, broadly, I would say. OK, so we settled then. Yeah, Who I think so that was Yeah, I think that was uh, reasonably straightforward. It's um, going to get more, much more complicated. Yeah, so this is the interesting bit. So now we go to numbers three to seven. Um, Joe, 
Marnus Labashin at three. <laughs> Is it too late to change it? He doesn't quite make it in this one, but when we reconvene in 10 years' time, then perhaps he'll be my number three. Marnus who? It'll be in 10 years' time. <laughs> um, how do you want to do this, Yaz? Do you want me to list my three to five? Just pick the one person you'd most like to have it between numbers three to seven. Okay. Okay, more well, my... Okay, my top candidate in that case is... Well, actually, tough between two. But I'll go with Smith. Um, played throughout the decade, albeit he wasn't very good for the first three years of it. Uh, and then that just extraordinary average, uh, 63.75. I've gone down a little bit since his innings today, I'm not sure. But um, 7,000 runs, 2,600s, that incredible conversion rate. So he was the top pick of my kind of four top-order batsmen, top-middle-order batsmen. And you consider as well for 12 test matches, he didn't make didn't make many at all, as you alluded to. It was only really 2013, that 100 at the end of the summer at the Oval, that kick-started him on. And from then on, statistically, there's Smith and then there's the rest. Uh, he's naturally in my team, John Lawrence. Yeah, he's in my team. I mean, he's, he's probably the best since Bradman, isn't he, I think? Uh, I mean, the way he... He bestrode the last ashes like a colossus. Was um, it was it was hard to ignore. You know, he he's out. That phrase that used to appear on yeah. newspaper mm-hmm. billboards for Bradman could equally have applied to Smith last summer, and that was a measure of yeah. the hold he had over England's bowlers. They, they looked totally impotent when he he uh, was at the crease. Fourteen hundreds away from home as well, which including one or two classics as well. That innings of Pune, hundred not many, hundred nine, I think it was, but on an absolute ragging turner. I mean, he has done it everywhere. Yeah. Time after time, after I've, time, I've looked at kind of performances away from home as you know quite a key way of separating, yeah. the, you know the 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 very good from the great, and um, yeah, I mean, but it, yeah, I mean, he's he's there is not a dispute about whether this guy gets in the team unless you're being absurdly moralistic and decide, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Never, not really. Everyone's <laughs> on the same page with Smith, uh, Lawrence. What, what about your your next middle order batsman? Uh, well, I'm afraid it's predictable. It's Virat Kohli, um, who. Probably a few. 2014, he, he tours England and averages 13, and his test average dips below 40. And everyone's wondering whether he's ever going to quite crack red ball cricket in the way he has done white ball cricket, the greatest chaser in the history of, of the white ball game. And then he embarks on this sort of career changing period. He comes back to England, averages, what, 54, 55 in 2018, and conquers his demons, doesn't get out to Jimmy Anderson. And that's the final box he needs to tick on his CV that he is now the complete batsman in all conditions uh, and he's just been absolutely preeminent since then so I think Smith and Coley at three and four is going to break a few bowlers hearts yeah yeah I mean again 1300s away from home and just every I mean if you if you're talking about the intangibles as well about style and presence and impact on the game um, you know he he's done it obviously across all formats but yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely, absolute shoo-in. Yeah, and just going back to what Joe said about Warner, how he kind of typifies something of the character of the decade. Well, clearly, Coley is the archetype of the, of his era. And what he's done to re-energise Test cricket in India after a pretty soporific period under Dhoni, um, we hope, has a long-standing effect on the, the, the position that Test cricket holds in people's hearts and minds around the world. Uh not only is he a master, but he's also a great um, front man for the modern game. Um, we might not want to go down the captaincy road at the moment, but he is my captain for that reason. Uh, I don't know if he is a particularly outstanding uh, strategist or tactician, but 
I think that's secondary to what he what he represents and how his heart beats so much for the game. I think that's very powerful. And of course, he took Australia took Australia down in Australia, albeit they had a couple of half decent players missing. But you know, he made a hundred at Perth, having made four hundred three or four years before that, all in Australia, and 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 took in India to a first ever win in Australia. Speaks for itself. Cool. There's uh, been a lot of agreement so far, but I think it might change at this point. Um, John. Your next middle order batsman, please. It's going to be James Vince. <laughs> Ian Bell. No. Um, well, uh, which one shall I throw in? Um, well, I, I'm going to throw in Eunice Khan, actually, just if we're looking to, you know, dive, divert a bit. Um, so he's your third batsman, is he? He's uh, your third well, I've got him I, in my list. He's, he's batting at six, actually. Okay. Um, but we can come on to the, the... Someone else can chuck it. Yeah. I mean, I just... Again, he's... I think there's something majestic about him and obviously, you know, I mean, I'd like to have, you'd want Misbar in there as well. I mean, they always come as a pair, but um, yeah, there's something majestic and inevitably slightly unsung in the sense, there are a lot of middle order batsmen. I mean, you could have two lots, you know, two middle orders that would be equally outstanding. I think. A lot of them and, had very similar records as well in yeah. terms of average. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, I'm obsessed with a form away from home. He averages 51 away from two and a half thousand Test runs away from home, um, and you know a- across the the decade, averages fifty four, best part of five thousand runs, eighteen hundreds and twelve fifties. So amazing conversion rate. Yeah. Also, um, he averaged ninety six against Australia as well. I I did some similar stuff to you, and yeah, that is an outstanding piece of work. You know, and he, he made runs out there as well. Obviously, in tricky conditions, yeah. alien conditions. And I know we talked about all rounders, and we will talk about all, all rounders. But I, mean, I think you know. You, yeah, I mean, I, I've got, I've gone for six batters, and and he's, yeah, he's my number six. We're sitting at the scene of one of his his great triumphs as well, aren't we? That brilliant double hundred in was it twenty sixteen, which squared the series for yes, Pakistan yes. when they, it looked like they were down and out. They'd gone one up, then two one down. England had them on toast, and then he he single handedly won them that game, as you say. And not bought a run. He'd struggled yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'd yeah, looked, yeah. he'd looked absolutely awful all summer. So, like all true champions, he pulled something out of the bag when he needed to. I, I was very tempted by Eunice. He's in my kind of sort of the margins of my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't quite fit him in, but I think it's a very strong case for him. He just missed out for me as well. I would say he's probably my first reserve, maybe second reserve batsman, but not in my not in my top six. Yeah, and and he is my alternative to my all rounder. So I do have an all rounder at six, um, but Eunice would be my number six if we were playing a more conservative form of Test cricket and going in with your six conventional batsmen. So, so Lawrence, who have you gone instead of Eunice? Um, I went for Sangakara. At five, um, he could have batted anywhere in between three and five, I think. Uh, well, the average is 60, I think, in, mm. in the decade. Useful. Uh, useful player, um, statesman, MCC president. He's, he's done pretty well everything. Uh, I'd actually have, this is first note of serious disagreement here, I wouldn't have Coley as captain because I don't think he is a, a very good tactician. I think he chases the ball like no other captain mm-hmm. in the last 10 years but I, I totally take what you say about you know he, he's he is the figurehead of test cricket and as long as Coley supports test cricket test cricket will be healthy he'll also have the ego to manage this team yeah well he would um it'd be interesting to see how he dealt with David Warner um yeah. but I, I think Sankara's got the best of the players I've chosen anyway I think Sankara's got the best cricket brain so he, he'd be my captain and I think yeah. he walks in as a batsman mm. And he could keep wicked if my chosen wicketkeeper breaks a finger at the last minute. So he's he's utility man. Sangakara speech. Sangakara is in my team. He bats at three, incidentally, in, yeah. in my team. Partly because at the Oval as well, and my memory is short. 
and broadly broken. And I just remember watching him bat three and strumming it around for the last two or three years of his time. He made that amazing hundred at Hobart, the one nine six ish, something like that, from number three. He made his hundred at Laws from three as well, and he finished his career at three. So he slips in there at, at first drop for me. Yeah, same. He's, he's my he's my three. Yeah. So on on Zangakara, he batted. I think every Test match he played this decade, he batted three. Um, and I guess and Smith predominantly has batted four. So Coley's shunted down at number five. Yeah. Should we should we go with Zangakara at three? Well, Joe, who, who do you have? Well, I don't have Zangakara. He was my first reserve batsman. Uh, the numbers are compelling. And to be honest, I'm already starting to doubt myself. But no, I'm, <laughs> I'm staying firm. I mean, that average is obviously extraordinary. Uh, he did retire in 2015, though. So that's yep. half the decade that he hasn't played. Uh, so my shout in his place really is is Williamson, Kane Williamson, who who has spanned the decade. He's got stronger as it's gone on. Mm-hmm. For much of that time, he's had to carry the batting. Um, for much of that time, he's been playing in difficult conditions. Um, New Zealand pitches are pretty flat now, but they haven't been that case all through the decade uh, he's got runs everywhere he's gone uh, if we're talking about kind of ambassadors talisman of test cricket he does it in a very different way to Coley obviously but he still uh, is a kind of model professional in that sense uh, I'd love to see his wry smile at having to deal you know Warner Coley Smith you know just the whole and obviously we haven't come on to the second half of the team but and I'm yeah I just of any player on this list though Williamson would think this was the biggest nonsense of anyone us yeah. sitting here debating yeah, yeah. this kind of but stuff but I would you know his his pre and post match press conferences having to field questions about you know is it true that Vera is complaining about having to bat five and whatever he would just you know I'd, I'd, I'd play some money towards that as a journalist counterintuitively I quite like the fact that we still don't really know all that much about him and yeah. that he is prepared to kind of keep his cards close to his chest and doesn't feel like he needs to put himself out there. And you wouldn't want all characters to do that. It would be a double sport if everyone was like Williamson. But the fact that he kind of bucks the trend, I quite admire about him. And and just on the record, I mean, I I want, yeah, averages 70 in New Zealand wins, three fourth innings, hundreds. I mean, you know, maybe they only tell part of the story. But From 77 games as opposed to Sangakara's 45, um, are we prioritising longevity? That is an open question. Uh, Joe does make a persuasive case. Um, but if three of us have alighted on Sangakara, then rightly or wrongly, we probably have to stick with him, I would say. It does feel deeply harsh, though, to leave out Williamson, the greatest technician of, of his time. But maybe he gets in. I mean, his un- Eunice might, is not as... He might, might get in as a number eight. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, so it sounds yeah, like we've got... Lots of other players. So I was just about to say, though. so we've not mentioned Joe Root. Hashi Mamla's record Hashi Mamla. is, yeah. is yeah. brilliant this decade, especially if you take out the last two years where he struggled, which I think you can do because we're kind of talking about where how players did at their absolute peak. So if you, um, take, if you take the top run scorers, say the, the 20-ish top run scorers from yeah. the list that you sent out earlier, Amla has played the most matches of them all. He played 85 matches across the period and averages pretty much bang on 50, mm-hmm. 0.13 shy of 50. And that's with two shockers of uh, of years in 2018 and 19. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the all-timers, really. Um, you said it there with the shockers, though. I don't think anyone else we've mentioned so far has really had a decline in their career. Sangakara went out at the top. Uh, most of the others are still playing. Eunice Khan didn't, from what I can remember, he went out pretty strongly as well, didn't yep. he? Yep, yep. Whereas Hamler has did have two poor years before he finished, and that is the thing, rightly or wrongly, that kind of sticks in my mind a little when when debating this team. There was just someone else as well that 
one of the first names that came to my head was Michael Clark as well. Now, if we were doing, if we were sort of adjusting the parameters here and we were saying, you know, the greatest purple patches of the decade, then Clark would be a shoe in because his year 2012, four doubles in a, in, a, in, a, in a calendar year was unstoppable, wasn't he? He made that triple at Sydney and so on. And, and yet he was slightly in and out. And I guess the 10 11 botched series when remarkably he didn't break 50 probably held him back. But again, his numbers tick under 49, you know, from 59 games. 1600s from 59 games. He should be a part of this conversation as mm. well. But there have been so many real all-timers from this decade with the bat that he probably just misses out. This is it. It's, it's up to you guys how you want to pick the team. Um, <laughs> we don't have to go for players who've played from the majority of the decade. Does it, I yeah. mean. Does it depend slightly on who we go, whether we go with a, an extra batsman or yeah. an all-rounder at yeah, six? Yeah, because yeah. that, I mean, I, I, I chose an all-rounder because you told me to choose an all-rounder. <laughs> yeah, you so you changed I. it at the last minute. <laughs> So, I, so for that reason, and having looked at the bowlers I chose, I thought I do need only. an all-rounder, and my all-rounder was, was Ben Stokes. Now, it, it might have been Shaqib, but it can't be anymore, unfortunately. Um, so, so, I mean, Stokes isn't one of the best six batsmen of the time, far from it, but uh, if you're looking at sort of game-changing potential, we've seen what he can do this year. His bowling is useful, 25 overs in a row at Headingley. Uh, just w- when they needed him. So he's my all-rounder, if we're picking an all-rounder, but look, there'll be strong cases for a lot of the guys we mentioned going in a specialist number six. But I do think, depending on the bowling attack we go for, it does leave the bowling a bit light. Yeah. Is Shakib hey. null and void for you at the moment? Yes. For obvious reasons? Yes, I think so. Okay. Um, uh, that makes me sound moralistic. Uh, but given that we, we're going with two of the sandpaper three... <laughs> in the top three, but we're not going for a guy who's been. Bring them all in. I, I think. I think corruption is a stronger crime than rubbing sandpaper on the ball. So uh, that for me, I think that's right. For but, me, it's hard to include but, him. But now. Muhammad Amir is a shoe in, right? We're definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have at six, Joe? So I'm going to complicate matters. My number six is my wicketkeeper, uh, and my wicketkeeper is Ab De Villiers, which feels a little bit like cheating. Um, because a lot of the decade he's been batting without keeping. But he has kept more than I thought. Um, so he kept in 22 tests in this decade, averaging 60 in that time whilst with the gloves. He scored 700s as a wicketkeeper, which as many as any other wicketkeeper scored in this decade. Mm-hmm. So for me, that puts him in that bracket. I think he is a legitimate keeper in this. It obviously makes your side quite... Um, he's my keeper too, if that, he if is. that helps. Okay. But I had him at seven uh, uh, just because I thought he bats quite well with the tail. Perhaps better than some of the others. Sure, well, I've got De Villiers, uh, yeah, De Villiers, Stokes, Stokes, De Villiers, whichever. Yeah. All you have, Stokes for me. I, d- I actually did consider Shaki, but even on the, even though he's got a better bowling average and better batting average than Stokes, I think Stokes, as you said, is that is that match winner that you want yeah. at six or seven. And do we want two spinners? There, there aren't yeah. many pitches these, unless we're saying this game takes place, uh, you know, on a on a raging Bunsen in in Chittagong, whatever. Taunton. Taunton or Chittagong, <laughs> the two of his places. Uh, Taunton then... would be thrilled with this one, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, you, you, your only test match is going to be team of the decade against yeah. um, whoever. Right, um, so Jack Leach is I, 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 I didn't consider, I'll be honest, I didn't really give De Villiers a second thought, frankly. And I'd, I can't really explain why that is, other than that the sense of, uh, maybe, maybe subliminally it's a sense of him leaving test cricket behind and I'm somehow... Was have a problem with that or whatever. I have a slight blockage um, with him as well. Uh, but I mean, the prospect hearing you talk about him, Joe, the prospect of him keeping and batting six 
if we're talking about this as a real team, is very exciting and, and opens up obvious possibilities for the rest of the team that surely with the, an alt, a sort of a, a great a, a fantasy eleven there should be. I really wanted to get him in, and then I saw that he'd kept wicket in 22 tests. I thought, well, perfect. <laughs> I mean, we've now got seven serious batsmen here. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, he was a he was a show in. But where did um, you, where have you got him batting? Well, seven, seven. Yeah. So we've got kind of two discussions going on. Do we a want an all rounder, and b are we happy with De Villiers as a keeper? Because I still kind of think it's a bit of a fudge because I don't really associate De Villiers as being a a wicket keeper. Um, well. well I didn't. For what it's worth, I didn't pick him. So who did you? I, I didn't pick him as a keeper. I picked Quinton de Cock as a keeper because I like my keepers to be to be keepers. Is there a raised eyebrow from the right hand side? Yes. Go on. Well, it's just go he's, on. He's not an all. He's not a team of the decade player. Okay. I so I don't think he's in that class. So if De Villiers doesn't take the gloves because he only did it a handful of times and he's. This occasional role. Who's telling who, that Johnny who, doesn't take the gloves in this team? Sure. <laughs> just, just, just before you quite rightly shout me down on the cock. Um, who are our options if we are saying a keeper, keeper batsman? B.J. Watling. B.J. Watling. Yeah. Quinton de Cock. M.S. Doney. M.S. Doney. Johnny Besto. You, well, Matt, yeah. Matt Pryor, I think. Okay. I think Matt Pryor's fair. So I think. Um, Matt Pryor played 40 odd games. In- England's, 40-odd. Sure. England's really good period. That team that went to number one mm-hmm. in the world, they did that this mm-hmm. decade. So mm-hmm. I think Pryor's an option. Okay. And another so, one. So, so sorry. Mushfiqur Rahim. Yeah. As well. Who, who played the whole decade. Averaged 41 in what was quite a weak side for a mm-hmm. lot of that. 600 to 41 tests is a really good mm-hmm. return. He should definitely be in the mix if we're looking outside of the Villiers at, at kind of. More pure wicket keepers. Yep. Um, De Cox made 500s from 41 games um, against five different teams, three of them away from home. Uh, and his strike rate is comfortably the best of all keeper batsmen. Uh, BJ Watling is the flavour of the month, and fair enough. But BJ Watling's made 800s from 60 something games, four of which are against, well, two, two, against, two at home against Sri Lanka, and a couple of hundreds against Zimbabwe, which, you know, one can take or leave. Uh, if you remove those uh, innings from from the, the, the Watling story, then his record is inferior to De Kock, and certainly with the best will in the world, his box office appeal is considerably lesser than De Kock as well. Um, De Kock's yet to properly crack Test cricket, but he averages 40, batting at seven from 41 games, uh, and he's an absolute thriller-minute cricketer. I think he is, while he's... He's a 7 out of 10 so far test career. I think by the end of it, if South African cricket doesn't completely implode, then I think he'll, he'll finish his career as a top, top player. But you're, you're talking about potential there. I mean, I, I, Sure, yeah. I'm just adding that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I still think the record comparatively yeah. stands up with other keeper batsmen out there. I, also, sorry, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of reasonably persuaded or persuadable about the Villiers, actually. Yeah, well, I think, I think overall... If he's made all those runs from 22 yeah. test matches and mm. can catch balls in his sleep anyway, then then on balance that makes sense. It certainly completes the lineup. Sounds like we, we are going for De Villiers then, uh, just to defend Watling very quickly. Uh, he has been involved in two of the three all-time highest sixth-wicket partnerships this decade, and they were incredible innings in their own right and double hundred against England the other day as well. Uh, oh, he's tied, he's, tied yeah, cricketer. And also, and also kind of... He's almost the anti De Kock in the way you're saying that De Kock's very entertaining, etc. Watling definitely isn't. But De Kock's but, made big runs as well. But yeah, no, I'm saying. But in, in, in a, a different. But in a way, I, I think that Watling would almost add a different 
dimension to the team just because of his grit and yeah, the way he I don't but it looks like necessarily we're not, we're not, think yeah. we need grit at seven <laughs> in this side. But I do, I do hear you. Do hear you um, it sounds like we're going for Davilia's keeper. Anyone strongly disagree? I don't disagree. We haven't mentioned Doni, have we? Uh, at all? D- Doni was in my team. I mean, I, 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 he was Watling in your eleven. Was, yeah, Watling was was very tempting. And I mean, this is. I'm going to say something that might sound a bit naive, but looking at a bunch of New Zealanders' records across, just sort of, you realise what really very decent players these guys are and have been. You know, whether it's um, Tom Latham opening, Williamson, obviously we talked about. You know, Wagner who might get a shot. You know, it's just. It, it's easy to overlook. We do overlook, and and you know mm. they're very good shape. But Would, I mean, yeah. don't yeah. Well, in, I was in New Zealand recently, and it suddenly occurred to me: six of their top seven average forty in Test cricket. England have one mm. averages for it's incredible, absolutely incredible discrepancy. Because Watling snuck up into the forties after that, that double hundred. Who, who, who would your keeper be, Lawrence? Sorry, if it, if wasn't, it wasn't. Well, it probably would be Watling. I mean, you right. say he's flavour of the month. According to these stats, he's flavour of the decade. Right. I mean, he's he's top scorer among wicket keepers. Not sure, but you, you there, there, I mean, is, there are some easy runs in there which can't be yeah, fully discounted. You, in the in the if you say take out his best scores, look at his stats. That's a bit unfair, isn't it? It, it, it is, but it, if you take out the 200s from the eight that he's made against Zimbabwe, if you were to remove that, then it's a it's a decent record rather than a than a good one. Yeah, but the yeah, Cox made five hundreds against five good it sides. Be, Watling v Decott would be a close one, I agree. But to me, neither of them, you know, are in De Villiers' ballpark. Sure, so, no, yeah. I, I get that. I'm I'm slightly surprised that we've not really talked about Matt Pryor at all. He was excellent at number seven for England, yeah. and we're kind of. And he did his good around. work at that time. Exactly, yeah. and we're kind of scratching around for yeah. who the alternative keeper would be if we don't pick De Villiers. I thought Pryor was, at the time, like a nailed-on World Eleven player. Yeah. I think it just ended so bleakly. I'm going to come back to the same point I made about Amla. That, that decline really does yeah. stick in the mind, and, and also particularly his, because it was quite a depressing end to his Test career, made all the more depressing after the Kevin Peterson book came out. Not that that should have any bearing on when a picking a side like this, but it does unfortunately, unfairly, sort of tarnish a reputation in, in some ways. Mm. And, he, and he played his last test in 2014 and the last kind of six to ten months of that weren't, weren't very good. So we're only talking about three years, really. I mean, Donny, I'd discount because he didn't really like test cricket. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be deadly bored and his, yeah. his, his kind of tedium would infect the rest of the team. I mean, India played quite conservative cricket not under that him. Not good a wicketkeeper. <laughs> no. Good not, with his legs. Yeah. yeah good, good. I'd certainly have him in my white ball team of the decade, yeah. but not my test team. So we have, we have De Villiers with the gloves then. So, yeah, the next, fine the, by so, so the next question is, do we want an all-rounder? Well, I think it depends on who we go with the bowlers. So sh- should we look at the bowling attack first? Because then I think it will affect what we go with at number six. Do we go with a batsman or an extra? Well, how many of us have got Stokes? Is that worth asking first? Because if we've all gone for Stokes, then... Well, I feel oh. terribly decadent, but I actually went with Shakib Al Hassan. Um, sorry about that, Lawrence. Um, that's all right. I can understand. I don't, I don't judge you. Uh, I can understand. It's the libertarians eleven. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I am a doubting. doubting it's not a beauty I can't contest, believe you haven't got Ben Stokes in your team of the decade, Phil. I think I haven't got him in because you were going to say exactly that. <laughs> so do you, you're you're going to go with two. You'll have two spinners in your team. Well, yeah. So I've got three quicks and two spinners. Um, you know, I'm an old romantic, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> uh, but I've also very, very closely got Eunice Khan and was very tempted to put Eunice Khan in at six, regardless of Shakib or Stokes, because um, I love Eunice Khan mm. and there's a romance to putting Eunice Khan into the I, side I, I well. didn't have Stokes in, in my team, um, mm. but I mean, you know, he was certainly in the mix for sure. And, and I think, again, the, the more one talks about it and the, the notion of, 
wanting a team that you really sort of you'd want to see on the park, then he, he, he's he he comes very very the, close. The other all rounder I made a note of was Jacques Callis, mm-hmm. um, but I discounted him as an all rounder because he his record in the decade was thirty four wickets at forty three and only took more than two wickets once in an inning. So he kind of faded as a yeah. bowling force, and his batting was amazing actually. He, he, 1,306.50, so probably one of the all-time great conversion rates. But he didn't quite make it as a batsman with the others I'd chosen, and his bowling was not quite strong enough. Yeah, I mean, so. we were talking earlier about we've got all these great middle-order batsmen. How do we fit them in? This is an opportunity to to fit another one in. Yeah. Basically, Williamson or Eunice Khan versus Ben Stokes. And I think whoever will pick with the bowlers, back them to take 20 wickets every time. Do you need a fifth bowler? Have you got Shakib or Stokes? No, for me, I, I wanted an all-rounder and it was Stokes v Shakib and Stokes won it largely because I didn't want... Well, no, I just I thought that was, for me, quite an easy choice between those two because of what he brings to the side and the fact that I didn't want a second spinner. Yeah, fair enough. The, the way I looked at it is you imagine that this great team's going to play against another great team or else it's a bit pointless <laughs> in our dreamscape. And so, therefore, I wanted three quicks and two spinners and two contrasting spinners in my team. Because, you know, in the end, I think that's the way that you're going to win more test matches than Stokes coming in and bowling fast, medium, admittedly brilliantly. I think with the three seamers that we'll have picked, there wouldn't be much call for Stokes at six, whereas there might be call for a left-arm spinner on day four. But Shaki will be banned. So he sure. won't, ICC wouldn't allow him on the park. Sure. So sure. I, know, I know we're talking hypothetical here. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I already feel morally repugnant anyway for, for it's even thinking he might... Uh, squeak in so let's forget Shakib. should we should we go straight to the bowlers then because then it, it, lo- it looks like the discussion on and then come back to the number six yeah Fine. I think so um, so John who's taking the, the new ball in your side Dale Stain um, here here is, I mean his, his record uh, 267 wickets at 22 um but just also from a sort of aesthetic and an impact point of view, um, you know, just pace like fire and, and swings it like Jimmy Anderson, who's another name that might get might get get a, a mention. Yeah, I mean, just it seemed first first quick on the team sheet for me. Um, yeah, I'd stain no, no no question for me. It was the sort of most thrilling, sort of viscerally thrilling fast bowler of the, of the decade and. His stats were just sensational. Yeah, and considering it's part two of his career to average 22 and a bit per per wicket as a quick when you're tearing in, and that's the second half of his career all around the world. The Nagpur, 10 for as well, I think fell in 2010. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the stats that stood out for me as well, it, only Cummins and Philander have a better average among quicks to take 100 wickets, and only Rabada has a better strike rate. So to combine those two, I mean, he's emphatically the best. And also when you consider that the first half of this decade was not a, a good time for fast bowling. He was kind of playing a lone furrow for a lot of that time. It's not like now where almost every country have a couple of brilliant, arguably world-class quicks. Yeah, bang on. Um, at that point, Stain had support in his attack with Morkel and Philander, which shouldn't be underestimated. But it, w- it was a time when a lot of quicks were wondering, is this really worth it? Should we just go and play T20 cricket? Mm. And Stain, I think, was a... A kind of beacon for those guys who are now coming through and and thrilling everyone like like Cummins, like Rabada, like mm. Joffre Archer. Yeah, no question. Stain is in unanimous pick. Who's your second team then? Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's in there as well. There is probably an argument that Jimmy is Stain esque 
and so you you may want to change it up a little bit but I think again if you are talking about longevity and I think in fast bowlers that has to be credited more than the you know than the batsman uh, for Anderson to have played over 100 test matches just in this decade uh, speaks for itself and obviously the record is outstanding he averages better in the second half of his career than he does in his first um, across the whole of the decade he averages under 25 which for an English seamer uh, forced to lug England's test side around the world where they can't buy a win more often than not is is phenomenal um, 427 wickets from 105 games in this decade you can't see past that I don't think yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean yeah I mean clearly I guess you know if um, in other parts of the world people might sort of want the you know home track bully scenario but I don't think I, I, I'm I'm playing not even playing devil's advocate it doesn't it doesn't stack up and there's yeah as you say the longevity for quick bowlers is something that is genuinely remarkable to behold um i mean stuart broad not that he's close to this team really but i mean his his record uh, and that sense of longevity and his partnership with anderson is you know uh, yes it's, it's the... i mean the, the point you made joe about stain and, and the support he's had you know anderson likewise really and yeah. i guess that is um is a key part of success for yeah, broad though, you know, mysterious to the end of his career and, and further on. He he is the second in that that triumvirate, you know, in terms of wicket takers. Anderson, Broad, Stain. It goes through through the through the decade. Mm-hmm. Broad's taken three hundred ninety eight wickets from one hundred and ten, and yet, hand on heart, no one would have seriously considered putting him into this side. He remains yeah. elusive. The other thing about Stain, sorry, is just the strike rate as well. I mean, yeah. Um, Strike rate of forty three, basically. I mean, I've the, the sort of stats I've done. I've just ordered it by stri- strike rate, and it, I mean that is, you know, and Anderson's is fifty four, Broads is fifty seven, give give or take, which is perfectly respectable. So, but so we've got Anderson and Stain with a new ball. Um, that's that's pretty handy. I think this could be quite interesting. Who who have people chosen as their as their third? Seamer? I couldn't decide. <laughs> Tricky. So this, I wrote it? three names: Philander, Rabada, and Cummins. Yep. Uh, that, that funnily enough, they all average twenty-two, which is kind of, doesn't really help us in <laughs> separating them. But uh, Philander has always thinks been underrated. Mm. He probably the most accurate, consistent, nailing that length that batsmen hate, like Mohammed Asif used to do. Mm. The batsman doesn't know whether to come backwards or forwards all the time, six balls and over. Lethal in England. I mean, to someone like Alistair Cook. Alistair Cook hated facing yeah. Yeah. Philander. So uh, when Philander was fit, he had an issue with fitness. Uh, yeah. And he wasn't always on the park, but when he was, he'd you know he'd get five for twenty on a reasonably regular basis. Anything in the conditions, he'd mop them up. And Rabada is a more thrilling bowler. Um, he, he'll get the crowd on the edge of their seats more. He's faster. He's more dangerous. He's sort of sexier, I suppose, as a bowler. But Cummins is sort of the coming man, isn't yeah. he? I mean, perhaps Cummins. It's come five years too early for him. This team, I think, he'd walk into the, the next decade's team. So I'm tempted by one of Philander and Rabada, and I, I I think I'd need guidance on that. Well, Philander was my first reserve. I mean, his, his record is extraordinary. There was just something about having him and Jimmy in our attack. We picked our attack from the decade, and we've got two of our three quicks bowl at less than 85 miles an hour. It just feels a bit bit like we could be more imaginative. So he, he was my first reserve. My third seamer, actually, you, you didn't mention in your um, bit there, was uh, Mitchell Johnson, um, who... Took 176 wickets in this decade, so 12 seamers have taken more than that. Uh, he obviously retired in 2015 as well, so he's only played half a decade, so I'm 
I made the argument the other way about 20 minutes ago, but now, now I'm switching it. But for me, I mean, no bowler had such a devastating impact on a single series as Johnson. Uh, and there is perhaps some English bias here. I should acknowledge that that has had more of an impact on me seeing England terrorised like that. Um, but I think what what he did was uh, hasn't been repeated by anyone else and, and that deserves kind of special recognition. So, And I think... I like him staying and Anderson seems like a nice a left, nice ar- left armour is a good you know good, yeah. good one to the mix um. so just on that he, he he was unbelievably good for about a year and a bit but no longer I think that's fair to say and his lows were really low as well so yeah I mean using similar logic um, I thought someone like Ryan Harris actually might be a reasonable shout played a similar amount of tests yeah. in this decade um, and was more consistently brilliant. I'm, I'm note, I made a note of Harris under Philander Abada Cummins, and I, th- I thought about Johnson, and I rejected him kind of for the reasons Yaz outlined there, which was that it was a, 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 a an all too brief peak. And as Englishmen, we you know we do remember that series for the wrong reasons. Yeah. We sort of sort of cower behind our sort of um, sofas thinking about it. But d- does that justify him getting in a team of a decade? You know, Possibly if, if, you're, if you're picking, like, you know, as Phil was talking earlier about Clark having his, his Annus Mirabilis 2012, Johnson gets in if we're picking impacts on one series, definitely. I guess I was thinking, when I look back on this decade and the cricketers that will stand out in my memory, he will be right at the, the top of that list. For the same reason, sorry, going way back, I was trying to find a spot for McCullum at, at one stage mm. as well, where his numbers don't really justify it, but he was the first Kiwi to score a triple century, scored the fastest Test 100 in history, yeah. and he will be one of the crickets that I most remember watching and most look forward to watching. And Johnson, well, I don't can't say I looked forward to watching him quite in the, in the same way, but certainly that is kind of uh, etched in my memory. Let's do another podcast on some impactful players. <laughs> players we'd love to see playing together. Philander's <laughs> intriguing. He's, he's played 60 Test matches against Dale Staines 59 and averages almost identical 22 and a bit uh that is a serious average for a player who's who's played 60 test matches and barely bothered you know breaking his back for for an 80 mile an hour outswinger it's there's a sort of beauty to Philander that you don't necessarily get with many of these other names Mm. you know they're more kind of bruising quicks and so on um I went with Rabada uh but I thought very long and hard about Cummins as well. Cummins has got an eight-year career, but he's played 20, 27 test matches across that period. As you say, again, the quirk of the decade itself. You know, Cummins has been the best bowler, I think, for the last two or three years. But but Rabada has never... He's never let uh, South Africa down in the five years that he's been a, been a test cricketer. And, and he's taken important wickets um, in big games... Seven of his twelve best spells have come against Australia or England. Best strike rate of of anyone who's taken hundred wickets or more. In yeah, the, in the yeah. Um, took thirteen at Centurion against England. Took took six at Hobart when they won by an innings, albeit Philander I think took five for Zip as well in that same Test match two or three years ago. Um, and also Rabada is so box office, and I think he brings something slightly different to this setup. I think mm. if that if Stain and Anderson don't get you, then Rabada will come on and, and will just bulldoze through you. But it's a it's a tricky, tricky call. Who, sorry, John, who did you I, have? I went for, for Cummins, third? actually, but that was, I mean, I had Cummins at batting at eight, so I was, you know, it was, it was six batters, Dhoni, so I was, his batting ability did have ever so slight um, impacts on, on there, which is 
probably not really, really correct. But um, but I just think he's, and he is on the rise as opposed sure. to some of the people who we're talking about. Um, yeah, I just think he's an outstanding cricketer and seems to be an outstanding individual or an outstanding human, as I believe cricketers like to, <laughs> to say these days. Um, but and I could see him being captain of Australia, yeah. uh, frankly. But uh. so we have a Philander and a Cummins and a Rabada and a Joe. Uh, Johnson and a Johnson, so we have four different. Options. I'm happy I, to take Johnson off the table because I do appreciate, it in some ways, it's a flawed selection. Um, but if I'm going to do that, I sort of want to take Philander off the table as well, not because of his record, but just looking at the balance of that attack. I think I can't really split Cummins and Rabada, but I think it should be one of them to join Anderson or Stain. The only thing, I mean, yeah, I suppose if we're talking about players at their peak, I mean, Anderson. You're talking about the pace of Anderson and Philander, and I guess that's. Fair, but are we saying that even at their respective peaks, that they they're too medium pace, as it were? <laughs> even at their peaks, they weren't fast bowlers, well. And I really, I would, I think we should be able to come up with two fast, fast bowlers bowl. in a, in our team of the decade. I, I mean, Glenn McGrath might not have made your team of the decade by the sounds of it, the d- previous decade. <laughs> but uh, having said that, I, I I'm persuaded by Phil's argument on Rabada ahead of Philander. Just thinking about it, I think he does add a bit of. I think if he's first change, the batsmen are really going to not enjoy that to, to a greater degree than if, if Philander was coming on. I think they'd fear for their safety as well as their, their wicket if Rabada came on. So I think I'd, 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 go, I'd nail my colours to the Rabada mast. Okay. So it looks like we're going towards Rabada. I just wanted to mention a few other players. Uh, fourth and fifth on the leading wicket takers list for this decade are Trent Bolt and Mornay Morkel. Mm. Um, both at both have excellent records um, and another couple of names I want to include as well uh, are Ishant Sharma, Sharma and Mohammad Shami I think one of the stories of the decade is actually how India now have one of the best bowling attacks if not the best bowling attack in the world and even at home tests now they don't, they're not relying on spin at all and um, Bumrah hasn't even played yeah, enough to exactly, in here but yeah, obviously but in he, a year's time it would yeah, be a big part exactly, of the exactly yeah you bang on there um, we did something in in Wisden a few a few months ago in the magazine uh, alongside Crickviz and we, we looked at uh, fast bowlers uh, figures over the last two years over 24 months um, looking at the three different kind of factors of sort of pace accuracy and effect and so on um, Ishan Sharma came out number one of the pace bowlers of the last two years um, admittedly we did this six months ago um, no one would have ever picked that name out from, from our, our criteria but there he was and consistently underrated cricketer and you're right but now he's supported by a whole battery of quicks that's why India are far and away the number one test team in the world he's had a fascinating decade hasn't he because he came on the scene as this young quick who looked really exciting and then he became a bit of a figure of fun for quite a long period of time and really disliked by a lot of Indian fans it seemed and now he's had this kind of renaissance as part of this battery of Indian quicks where I don't know you couldn't quite describe him as the leader but he is he's the he's the veteran isn't he And and there seems to have been a a kind of complete re reappreciation of him in the last couple of years. On the other side of the ledger, we've yet to mention one West Indian cricketer in this conversation so far. And a run through this list throws up Holder, Roach, Roach and yeah. near the bottom, um, Shannon Gabriel as well. You know, it's a good laugh. Uh, these, none of these cricketers are seriously going to bother this 11, I think. You know, Holder is an admirable cricketer. Kemar Roach has had his moments and his record is good. Averages 26 for 170-odd wickets, whatever it is. Uh, and yet it's 
it's a sign of the times that we haven't even bothered mentioning in a serious context any of these West Indian players. Mm. Uh, and as for the batting, Chandapal may have made the made the conversation, but only as an afterthought, really. And and this list is as much about the omissions as the selections, I think. Mm. You know, but th this is the, the the way that the game is. So it sounds like we have Robardo as our as our third teamer. Happy yeah. with that? Just Very much one so. other name that I just want to mention in a completely <coughs> random. This caught me by surprise that the England pace bowler with the best strike rate of people who've taken under more. Finney, Stephen Finn, yeah. which. Is yeah. So it's you want Finn in for Stain, <laughs> yeah. Robardo, or Anderson? Um, well, if we're not having Toby Rowland Jones, then <laughs> also best strike rate of any bowler in the decade. Uh, if you don't take in minimum wickets into account, is Alistair Cook. <laughs> Strikes every twelve deliveries. Yeah, so we'll have we've got that problem. extra seam option. Uh, let's go to the spin department. Phil, who's your who's your man? <laughs> I had a feeling you might come to me first. All right, Lawrence, don't raise your eyebrows, please. Um, I've picked Yassir Shah. Okay. Give me a minute. 37 <laughs> test matches. Not a huge uh, selection there, granted. But 207 wickets from 37 games. So averaging five and a half wickets a game. Uh, the only leggy in the long list of options, I would say. Three 10-wicket hauls in those 37 games. Um, and a personal favourite of mine, the six for 70-odd at Lords, to win that game in 2016. I was there for that. Uh, that will always stay with me. Spinners struggle to take wickets at Lords, as we all know. Leggies struggle to take wickets in Test cricket full stop. Uh, I know that he's had a, a dud year. He was re removed from the Australia tour um, to do some work with Mushtaq Ahmed. It may be that He's losing the magic. Maybe that there are technical problems there. Who can say? But his record, I think, is good. Very good. Uh, he's a he's a match winner. Three, te three ten wicket hauls in 37 games. And he is a leg spinner doing the almost impossible in, in, in this era of uh, darts bowling finger spinners at best. Um, and so he's, he's, my, he's my little bit of romance in there. Um, now I know that there, there is your selections. Uh, yeah. right, you said right. two spinners with Roman. <laughs> well, he's he's one of them, or maybe even half of them. I don't know. But anyway, two hundred and seven wickets from thirty-seven tests, and he's won games all over the place. And I love him because he's a leggy. So he's mine. Uh, I found this probably the hardest, partly because there isn't just there aren't that many standout options really. Um, so I looked at average over the period. Jadeja's best. Uh, followed by Ashwin and Hirath. Strike rate, Ashwin is best. Followed by Yasser Shah and Hirath. Um, and even though Hirath didn't win either of those things, for me, he he, he was the one that stood out. Um, he played throughout the decade, having debuted in the previous century, which is a bit bit bizarre. Uh, 363 wickets at 26. 35 for nine 10-wicket matches. Uh, no sides depended on their spinner more and no spinner has been more reliable over the last decade. So for me... Uh, he just about gets it. His record overseas is not great. His record in India is not very. Fifty-four in India, which surprised me. Really? Yeah. So, so there is there is stuff counting against him. So I'm I'm willing to well listen to you. I mean, it'd be rude not to. But that, that, <laughs> he, 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 he is my pick. I I mean, rather boringly, the the only three I and sorry, Phil. Yes, it wasn't in this three, but the the only three I thought could possibly make it were Lyon, Herath and, and Ashwin. Yeah. They're miles ahead in terms of wickets and the impact they've had. Um, then I thought, well, it, it's hard to 
sort of split the three. So I went with a spinner. I think you've always, it's an old Duncan Fletcher idea, but the spinner always has to be able to bat because he doesn't always play a role until the fourth innings we, of the game. We made 100 last week in a, in a, in a <laughs> test match in Australia. And we were all astonished, weren't we? Um, it's so in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ashwin wins that one hands down of, of, of the three spinners. He's, he's almost an all-rounder. He's batted six yeah. in test matches for India. You know, if, if we were being really adventurous and we we trust our top five, he could bat six in this team if we wanted. And that would we could then have all sorts of fun with the bottom <laughs> four. Uh, but he's at eight in my team, uh, for, mainly because it's virtually impossible to split him from the other three. Uh, and I think the fact he averages 25 and line averages 32 can be explained by the, the conditions they mainly bowl in. Um, but Ashwin's extra ability with the bat gets him in for me. Ashwin's only played 20 tests outside of Asia, which I don't know. I think I think should come into it. Um, his record outside Asia isn't isn't great. We don't know where this this hypothetical match will take place. Yeah, that um, is an issue. Taunton. Absolutely, <laughs> he's fine. He's in. As is Yasir. Um, but I guess, I, guess it, I guess it's quite tricky. There's not that much distinguishing the three. Curveball name. Graham Swan did much of his best work. He only played one year as a test cricketer outside of this decade. Core part of a, a team that went to number one in the world and arguably more important to their team than any other spinners that we've mentioned. Uh, well, I went for Nathan Lyon. I mean, I didn't I didn't consider Swan, to be honest. I mean, although, um, yeah, he's taken a fair number of wickets. Certainly, again, it's a bit like the... The prior argument, I think it just, um, uh, but yeah, a lot of line was my guy. I mean, I feel slightly sort of it's a prosaic selection, really. I mean, I think Lyon's a Lyon's an impressive cricketer. I mean, I don't, he's, I don't find him that appealing. I, I used to, but he's, he seems to make a habit of, of rubbing people up the wrong way, either deliberately or I don't know. But um, but you know, his the volume of wickets. You know, he has won matches. He's won matches around the world so I, I just you can argue he's the most adaptable of those spinners I would say he's won a match he didn't bowl that well actually this summer in the Ashes but he did bowl very yeah. well in the first test exactly he won them he's got a good record in Australia for yeah. a finger spinner yeah I, I just I mean can I just add something on Nathan Lyon um, uh, his average 32 and a, and a half ish 32.36 is the highest of the top six spinners from this era if you're just looking at wickets taken which runs as Lyon, top with 370, Hirath, Ashwin, Jadeja, Yasir, Swan. Um, so one can yeah, kind of kind of put that to one side and consider, okay, well, he's bowling in Australia where it's difficult for finger spinners and so on and so on. Um, but I would personally feel a bit uncomfortable having him in this side because I think he, I think it has been shown up around the world here and there you would expect his record in Asia to be absolutely outstanding and it's and it's not and in England um as Joe said you know he did struggle a little bit uh, j- just 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 around the corner so I I personally wouldn't be throwing my hat in the ring for, for Nathan Lyon um and just in brackets Yasir Shah 207 wickets from so 60% of Lyon's wickets from 35% of Lyon's games um with a lower average and he's a leggy so if we are going to go with Lyon, I, like I think we should, we should go yeah, with Shah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, as I say, I don't, um, I, I'm not wanting Lyon to, to um, bowl for my life necessarily. <laughs> but, um, it, uh, Ashwin is very persuasive. Well, give, this is given that none of us seem to be particularly inspired by our picks, apart from you, Phil, um, although none of the rest of us agree with you. No, God. Uh, I think Ashwin is probably the most persuasive um, because he does offer 
solid runs. Um, we don't need runs in this team. Sure, you don't know what match situation might unfold. I think it's at Taunton. Is batting seven. I think we're. I think. I think we're okay personally. <laughs> but I would be more. I. I think I would now be more comfortable with Ashwin than Lyon if it's not Hirath. But Hirath is still my number one pick. I think Hirath's modest record in in India is interesting. I wasn't. I wasn't really aware of that. I have to say. So small sample size, though. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, I'm comfortable with Ashwin. Lawrence, was Ashwin your... He was, but... Okay. Yeah. My uh, Swan comment kind of got ignored. Lawrence, what do you, uh, what do you think about Yeah, I, trouble with Swan is it's it's a bit like Pryor. It's, it's a bit of Anglo-centric in saying, well, he was part of the team, the England team that went to the top of the world mm. about eight years ago. It's mm. like, well, the rest of the world would, I think, not be very impressed with that argument. I would also add I as well, like, he was great in 2012 in India, but I think Panasar outbowled Swan, certainly shoulder to shoulder at that time and I don't think Swan would have been as effective if Panasar hadn't been doing his business at the other end so yeah I'm comfortable with Swan Swan missing out as well personally so it sounds like we've got Ashwin yeah Ash- Ashwin's cool as well I mean if we're just <laughs> we're on cool. the sort of completely sort of very good point um, subjective uh, you know the intangible I, I, he uh, he's also he, been um, tweeting about pollution in India and the fact that something needs to be done so we're looking ahead mm then um, it's good to have some environmentally conscious cricketers in our side, I would say. Yeah. Lovely. He may save the game. He, he can... Interesting dressing room conversations between him and Cook may be about environmental... Cons- well, n- n- <laughs> possibly. But now I was thinking more about the environmental impact of of farming. You know, you see uh, <laughs> Cook being a farmer, it's kind of quite, you know... Um, I mean, when... you know, yeah, when, saddle when, up for that when, one. When, <laughs> when Steve Smith's batting all day, they've got to have something to chat about. True. Sure, yeah, very good point. We'd love to hear David Warner's input in that particular conversation. <laughs> um, so now we're going back to our number six. So the rest of our team is Cook, Warner, Sangakara, Smith, Coley, Blank, De Villiers, Ashwin, Stain, Rabada, Anderson. Where do we stand on the Stokes versus top order batsman argument? I w- well, I want an extra bowler. and uh, That makes me a bit conservative, probably. And the great Australian team managed it with four bowlers but two of them were Warner McGrath so two all-time 11 players so I want I do want an extra but I'm looking at Rabada Stain Anderson I mean this is a conservative thought as well but one of them breaks down <laughs> and let's face it um they may do that Stokes he's not just a fourth seamer he's a kind of a rabble rouser and a brilliant fielder and a guy who can well, turn the game with the bat. I was going to say fielding as well. Fielding's got yeah. to come into this to an extent as well. He changes matches. We've seen that this year. Um, and we, if we've got AB at seven, for God's sake, I think we can afford Stokes at, at six, especially if he bats like he has been doing the last two years. He's a proper batsman now. I think also, yeah, you know, this is a fantasy 11 and you should be, although we, you know, we don't need the sort of, we don't need Ashwin's runs, etc. But you should be able to accommodate. You know, you should be able to have five bowlers really in a in a in a team of this kind. And you know, so yeah. I didn't think we'd be sitting down here trying to persuade Phil Walker to put Ben Stokes in his team of the decade. I'd say this is not how I saw he's it playing out. It's a romantic pick, Phil. He's <laughs> in. He's in a hundred percent. All over this. All over this. Uh, I had Shakib in my side as, as I outlined earlier. Two spinners, day four, five, whatever. Um, Stokes. It's a joy that, that he's in. I'm surprised that he's featured in all of your teams, actually. I thought that, you know, us being kind of, you know, sensible observers and we, we may be slightly kind of standoffish about our own boy and the relatively shortish 
uh, run of brilliance that he's that he's shown for England. Although, admittedly, 2015 was his 100 at Lords. You know, I mean, he, benefit, he benefits from this year. I mean, he benefits sure. from the, the proximity of, of uh, yeah. his yeah. You know, some great achievements. But uh, look, I am fully behind this. Just, fully behind just playing it. devil's advocate. Uh, if his 2019 was 2012, would we be speaking so confidently? And he had, uh, well, he, it took well, him a while. Been useless to get to, since then. Yeah, <laughs> probably <laughs> not. Took, took him a, took him a long time to really get this good, basically. So we're kind of basing this selection on one incredible year. A bit more than that. A bit more than yeah, one year. That's fair. You know, 258 at Cape Town, quickest hundred ever in history at Lords in Test cricket. That hundred at Perth, which is my favourite ever Test hundred. Um, he's, he he wasn't burgling a living until 2019 happened to happen. But I do I do hear what you're saying mm. up to a point. Um, he is now beginning to de- to deliver the the stats to back up the uh, the grandeur of the man as well, though. You know, and that that average, that old fashioned mark of what a proper all rounder mm. is. Well, he's now got that the right side, um, and you know he is English cricket. So, I think we have an 11. This a- is a good 11. I like this. Alistair Cook, David Warner, Kumar Sangakara, Steve Smith, Virat Kohli, Ben Stokes, A.B. de Villiers at 7, Ravi Ashwin, Dale Stain, Kagisa Rabada and Jimmy Anderson. And we need a captain from that. So, Lawrence, you had Sangakara. Yeah, I'm going Sanga, best brain in the team. Okay. And I think he'd deal with, the, he'd rise above the various egos that uh, there are one or two, let's face it, in this side. I had Kohli. Uh, Joe? John? I had Coley because, um, yeah, I mean, it, I get the tactical thing and, and, I mean, to an extent it was by default, but I wasn't going to give Smith the captaincy. It could have been Dhoni in my team, I suppose. But um, I think he's a great leader by example, a great inspiration. But, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of Sangakara. Um, maybe Stokes. I mean, if he's not going to be England captain, then maybe... He's can, the classic be... vice, though, isn't he? That's <laughs> lovely. Um, I've said, I, I had Coley, but I didn't have Sangakara in my team. And now we've got Sangakara in my team. I prefer that as a shout as captain than than Coley. I quite like the idea of telling Coley that he's not going to be captain as well. So, um, so I, I don't know, it's just splitting now. You can do fine many, leg to fine leg, maybe. <laughs> how many tests did Sangakara captain? Yeah, he didn't have that one written down. Don't know, I'm afraid. I, I And I was prepared to, and I, in a way I didn't want to look it up because yeah. I was just prepared to say he. I think he'd be the best captain. Is my gut instinct. But I, Do you want to choose? He has 2-2. Two, two. Just throwing it out there, uh, just a question really. How good was Sankara as a captain? I get that as a leader and as a spokesperson, he's excellent, inspiring, all that. But as an actual captain, tactically, I'm not saying he wasn't, but I'm actually just not sure. Yeah, I don't think any of us know for sure. <laughs> he was always seen as kind of Mahela's right-hand man, certainly the second half of his career. Um, the fact that Kohli took, has taken India to number one, finishes the decade as the number one ranked batsman in Test cricket, I think the number one ranked batsman in ODI cricket. And India far and away the number one ranked side in the world, having conquered Australia. For me, it has to be Kohli. There is also, I mean, Sankar, and, and this might have been more to do with the politics of Sri Lankan cricket than anything else, but didn't seem to relish the captaincy. It sort of got passed around quite a bit. Whereas, obviously, Kohli leaves, uh, lives and breathes the captaincy. So, I'm ha- perfectly happy with Kohli. I'm prepared to change my mind if that helps. Okay. So we're going with Coley. Coley skippers outside. Looks like it. That is one hell of a team. Um, one more time, yes. Read through. Alistair Cook, David Warner, Kumar Sankara, Steve Smith, 
Captain Coley at five, Ben Stokes, Amy de Villiers, Ravi Ashwin, Dale Stain, Kagisa Rabada and Jimmy Anderson. Um, thanks a lot, everyone. We have a team. Thank what, you. What a team it is. This has been the third and final Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast Decade In Review Special. We hope you've enjoyed them. Head to wisdom.com and the Wisdom Cricket Monthly Magazine to read more about the rest of our Decade In Review series. If you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends and why not leave us a five-star review. Cheers. Podcast Network.